Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. In 2012, I experienced my worst nightmare when my mom passed away from cancer. The experience of living my worst fear was nothing like I would have expected, though. It actually inspired me to reprioritize my life, to live big. And as I saw my life begin to improve, I became obsessed with the power of fear to create positive change in our lives. I spent the last 10 years learning everything I could about fear and courage, and I tested everything I learned in my own life. I quit my nine to five to travel the world full time. I built a profitable travel blog, even though I had no previous writing or website experience. I started an online coaching business that allows me to work when and where I choose. And it all came full circle in 2021 when I was diagnosed with cancer. I was once again faced with living my worst fear. But this time, I used the courageous tools and processes I'd spent the last decade developing to intuitively move through my treatment and my cancer journey. In 2022, I was declared cancer-free. I came out of my cancer journey happier, healthier, and thriving more than ever before. And that is when the Courageous Transformation Academy was born. I knew I had to share these powerful tools with as many people as possible. The Courageous Transformation Academy is a 10-module course and coaching program for ambitious dreamers who want to finally begin living their dreams without having to think positive or deny their body's innate intelligence. Imagine what it would feel like to actually live the future you can't stop thinking about, to wake up every morning in love with your life. This is possible for you. Discover how to cultivate courage so you can take empowered, inspired action. Learn to hear the voice of your intuition so you can follow it to that life you're dreaming of. And discover how your subconscious mind and nervous system work together so you can choose the way that you experience reality. Take the first courageous step today and join the waitlist for the Courageous Transformation Academy. The waitlist will receive early access and a special discount. The link for the waitlist is in the show notes. Happy New Year! So we are kicking off 2023 with an episode about my very favorite topic, love. Today, I have a very special interview with Felicity Aaron of Enchanted by Soul. Felicity is an intuitive mentor, psychic, tarot reader, and spiritual teacher, and she is deeply knowledgeable about the way that intuition can call in and lead to conscious partnership and conscious relationship. And we cover so many interesting points in this interview around relationships, around love. We touch on twin flames, toxic relationship dynamics. There is so much packed into this episode. You're going to love it. I'm really, really excited to share it with you. So grab a drink, get comfortable, and get ready because Felicity is about to teach you that you are the one for you. 
Felicity, thank you so much for being here today. I am thrilled to have you on the podcast. This is one of the interviews I've had in mind for a while, and I was just waiting for the universe to kind of give me the go ahead. And so this is definitely divine timing at work for sure. The first thing that I would love to ask is if you could just introduce yourself and maybe just tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been so excited for this conversation. Yeah. So I'm an intuitive mentor. I teach people on how to tap into their own intuitive abilities. I'm big on with the message that we all have intuitive and psychic abilities and we have the choice whether we want to tap into them or not. I mean, I think some of us didn't quite get that choice from childhood. Right. <laughs> Never really went away, uh, like myself included, uh, but we all have them. And I don't like this idea of putting people on pedestals of like, oh, there's only chosen ones. So I allow people to come to me and I will mentor them on learning on how to do that. And that includes channeling spirit, but really the core of it is becoming deeper connected to themselves because at the end of the day when we're deeply connected to ourselves we're able to make decisions that come from our inner guide versus searching external uh, for the permission oh yeah that is so true and as all my listeners know I am big on following your intuition and connecting with your intuition so this is so awesome to have you here I'm wondering how you got to where you are today because an intuitive mentor is a pretty unique career. It's a pretty yeah. unique business, <laughs> right? And Massively. so, right. Like how, how did you get here? What did your path look like? Oh my goodness. Uh, okay. So I, next month uh, on January 5th, turn 36. So this has been a journey and a half for me. I have been very connected to energy and spirit since I was a little girl, um, mm. experiencing a lot of wild and crazy things. And it was through my teen years where I went through a very difficult period. I would say it was like a dark night of the soul for a long time mm. now that I look back on it. And I kind of really shut off from uh, that part of myself. It would come through every now and then I felt when there was big messages to come through or if there was a way of kind of protection for myself. But I I had shut them off and then it wasn't until round about 17 when I was I had moved out of home and I moved to Sydney and I was doing a hairdressing apprenticeship. So very different to the work I do now. I yeah. lasted eight months in that. I was I was the worst. But <laughs> um <laughs> I was no good. I was no good. Mm -hmm. But I uh, was going through a very difficult time then. I had got myself into an extremely abusive relationship. My intuition told me to stay away from this person the moment I met him, but I ignored it basically due to a lot of childhood wounds. But wow. I was going through a really difficult time. And this woman that I worked with, her name was Sandy. And we didn't really connect too much at work. It was a, it was a big workplace. And she could sense that I was going through something and she was quite spiritual. And she had bought me this uh, oracle deck and it was Healing with the Fairies by Doreen Virtue. And she's like, I can sense you're going through something. And I thought that you might this might help you. And I was very open to it. I've always been really drawn to Tara and Oracle and witchcraft since I was little. And so I started to use that. And these cards, I kind of begin to tell you, just reopened my abilities and my connection. And I 
very much kept it in the closet that this is what I did. And those cards in some way, because there wasn't the cards itself, but it was the fact that it reconnected myself to my soul Mm. and to spirit that I was able to actually navigate out of that really abusive relationship. And I ended up moving interstate and moving away from there. That kind of was the beginning stages of the reopening. And then through my 20s, it started to, I started to connect more, but I felt so lost. I Mm. felt so lost. And I I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with this. I always felt that there was something more for me. And I felt that there was a bigger calling for me. But I was a mum of two. I was married. I just felt like that was my life and there wasn't really anything else for me. And yet this pool, this pool never left Mm. and I would suppress it. This pool would never leave. (laughs) And then finally, it wasn't until the universe like jumped in with a big towel moment and my world came crumbling down and I had to rebuild. And this is really when things went crazy for me. I started to get visitations from spirit. I remember I had one from Archangel Metatron and it was early hours of the morning and I was woken and standing to this day, it's like so clear to me. He spoke to me and he said that it's time now and you're here to do this work. And I had been working with Tara and I had been uh, connecting with spirit, but just with friends and just by myself. And like he said, like, you need to take this to a bigger level and and I'm here to help you with this if you choose. So it was fully my choice. And so I sat with that for a couple of days and then I said, okay, spirit, like I'm ready, but I need you to help bring in the people that are going to help me with this. And then that's when I met my business coach, (laughs) which was Rachel Ellis, um, who I know you know very well. Yes. Rachel is amazing for anyone listening. Like she's great. Rachel Alice, look her up. Yes. She is incredible. I I just adore her. Basically I was in the same uh, group with you, which is how how we met. And that was with the launch of spiritual business. And that's how I got to there, which began with Tara readings and that took off and I built this beautiful community at Enchanted by Soul. And then it just developed into doing intuitive mentorship and teaching people on how to channel because it helped me through the darkest moments of my life mm-hmm. and helped me make decisions that got me through that. And I can tell you now, I'm getting chills to talk about this. If I didn't have that, I really just don't know where I would be right now. And so having that open connection and especially to my soul and to my intuition has just led me into the most beautiful life that I can wholeheartedly say is full of so much fulfillment. And I no longer feel lost. I haven't felt lost for a few years, probably about two years now. I feel like I've found myself, I've found exactly where I'm meant to be. And I'm excited to see where that continues to grow and evolve as I continue to grow and evolve. Yes. Oh, I love this. And it's so beautiful because it was just about two years ago that we met. So (laughs) it's so, it's been so cool being on this journey together. Yeah. Yeah. Really amazing. So something that you said that stood out to me that recently I've done a number of different interviews for the podcast and consistently almost everyone mentions a tower moment as being the big push that finally like nudges them to come out of the spiritual closet, right? Mm -hmm. Including Mm -hmm. me. And so I think that is so interesting and so wild the way that that works. And then uh, could you tell us a little bit about what a tower moment means? Because maybe not everyone listening knows. (laughs) 
So I call it a tower moment because it's like the tower card in tarot. So if you're not familiar with tarot, the tower card represents a crumbling of the of what you've built on. So everything has to come down because the foundation is shaky. And so then so you can rebuild a much stronger foundation and rebuild the way that you want it to. So I had built a life on a foundation that was based on other people's expectations and what others wanted for me, not myself. And so this crumbling moment was the end of my 15-year relationship um, and eight years of marriage. It was a complete transformation of self. It was like a three-year death and rebirth, which if I had the tools I have now back then, it would not have taken three years. (laughs) So that's a big thing too. I'm like, oh my gosh, but a lot of shadow work. And uh, so that's, that's the tower moment. It's the complete crumbling where basically you hit the bottom and the only way is to rebuild. It's an experience that is very difficult. I will not sugarcoat it. It was extremely painful at times, but upon reflection, it's also one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever been through and something I'm thankful for, but I'm not keen on doing that anytime. Which I always say the universe, I'm like, I'm not asking for another tower moment, just putting right. it out there. Right. Yeah, something I'm so incredibly, incredibly grateful for. And one of the beautiful things about working with someone like you, like Felicity, is that you can get those tools faster. So if you've experienced mm. a tower moment and you're picking up the pieces after that, working with Felicity, you'll have those tools sooner so that you know it doesn't necessarily have to take yeah. three years not, to move through it. It does not have to take that long at all. Yeah. And they, that's all right. That's why I'm I love teaching and with what I do and the transformations I see within my clients and the quick amount of growth that they go through and credit to them because they're there to do the work and really implement what they're learning. Uh, but it's just incredible to witness and it does not have to take three years. <laughs> so I put that out there. That was my process. So I could go through that and teach people that it does not have to take that long. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. So something else that I know about your life that I want to ask about is Mm -hmm. that you are in this really beautiful conscious relationship, this really beautiful conscious partnership. And I know that that is something that you were really calling in for yourself and you were able, you were able to call that in for yourself. So I would love to know, um, how that happened, how your intuition played into it, I guess, first, how, how did that happen? <laughs> I know. It's it's so crazy now that I look back on it, but at the same time, it makes so much sense. For me personally, I've had such distrust in the masculine for my whole life. You know, I got myself into really abusive relationships and was stuck in situations that were very codependent. I had experienced a lot of abuse and didn't realize a lot of it was abuse until it was pointed out to me uh, by a psychologist when I went and finally saw one a couple of years ago. At the same time, as I was going through these moments in relationship, I always felt like this can't just be it. Like that there has to be something more not the fairy tale that we're sold via Disney, which is heavily rooted in codependency and this like damsel in distress and the feminine has to be rescued. And that's actually really 
the way that I thought was always I had this urge or this feeling of like, I just want someone to rescue me from my life. I just want someone to like come here and make it better. And at the end of the day, it's you, like you have to have your own back. It's you that's going to rescue you from any situation. It's no one else. You can have help along the way, but it's you at the end of the day. And so I always just could feel that this connection was on its way to me. And it was through the breakdown of my relationship and my marriage that I still held on to that idea of like, I just was so clear on what the next relationship was going to look like for me. And that process was not easy. It required a lot of radical honesty with self. Mm -hmm. It required a lot of deep inner work and a lot of reprogramming. I, again, I feel like I could have gone through that quicker had I sought external help, but I did a lot of that myself. I definitely excelled, like the process went quicker when I did seek some therapy. And then I worked with a couple of healers back in 21. It was when I moved out of my marital home in May of 2021 that I was like, okay, I'm going to take the next year to focus on this business that I'm just starting to build and to focus on my healing. And I'm not interested in any sort of like dating, but as I said that, it was like this inside of like, no, but I really want to find the one. And I, <laughs> you know, like all of this, which by the way, I have learned and come to this beautiful realization that there is no one, like there is no the one. The one is you and it's the connection to self. And then the connections we call in, of course, you know, you, you can choose to be with someone forever. You can choose to be with someone for as long as it feels good and in alignment with you. And so I went through this process of really getting clear on what it is that I wanted. So, 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 so clear. It wasn't on a surface level. You know, it was so deep. And I wrote out this huge long list, which I had completely forgotten about. And I wrote this list out, back, I think it was about December of 21. And I got so clear on what I wanted because I had a couple of people come in who just, again, it was like this repetitive cycle of what I had been in before and not in the sense of abuse, but just very like that running chasing dynamic, you know, like those breadcrumbs to keep you a little bit interested. And then you just have this urge of like, oh, I just want to be chosen or I just want to be loved. And you're not looking at it like, instead of, am I going to be chosen by this person? It's like, is this person going to be what I want to choose? Yeah. And so I had to have that complete mindset shift. I also had to have this mindset shift of I'm attracting emotionally unavailable men because I'm emotionally unavailable and that was confronting that was really confronting I was like I am emotionally unavailable because as much as I want connection and I'm such an open person when it comes to love I'm very closed off I'm like one foot in one foot out well, I'm not anymore, but I was very much this. And I could never be two feet in because that, that was really scary. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk a bit about that soon in regards to attachment styles. So I wrote this list down. Then in February, I met this person and I found this list a few months after that. And I was going through a notebook and I was like, oh, I forgot I wrote this. And I went through every point. And there was about, no joke, about 40 to 50 points on there that I of what I wanted. And that included on like what I wanted to receive in relationship, what I wanted to give in relationship as well. And every single point I was like, tick, tick, tick. Every single one came true. It was completely this person and this relationship. And I just was sat there and went, holy shit. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is, I, I, I literally like wrote this down and this, this is now in front of me and it's been in front of me for a bit now. 
Uh, so that was my journey to to call this this person in. Mm. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love that. You touched on something that I want to ask you about. You touched on the idea that there is no one that Mm -hmm. there's, you know, we have this cultural myth of like the one, the one single soulmate. And this is something that me and Felicity have talked about before. I'm also in a very conscious relationship. And so this is an area where we really see eye to eye. And I would love to ask you about the idea of twin flames and oh I got opinions on this <laughs> yeah yeah me too yeah. so and yeah. I, because I feel like that's the first thing that comes up in the spiritual space this idea that you have one single twin flame and that's the only person you're really supposed to be with there's even part of the twin flame like story or mythology is that there is a runner and a chaser yeah please tell me what you think about yeah. this okay so first of all I can understand that the concept sounds so beautiful right like it's the other half of your soul and you've been searching for each other in this lifetime and then you finally find each other and you merge and but you know to in in order to have that union there's this push-pull dynamic and I myself I'll be completely honest I myself early on in my not like early early on in my spiritual journey but you know more so in like probably about like maybe three no about four years ago now I thought that that was such a thing. I was like, oh, this is such a thing. And then I ended up meeting someone who I had a great, I felt like I had a great connection with. I look back and I'm like, it was a trauma bond, 100%. Mm. And that was who I was like, oh, it's like totally my twin flame, right? So I can sympathize with people who are stuck in this cycle, being fed this belief that this toxic dynamic, which is basically what it is, and this trauma bond, and that's playing out each other's childhood wounds, bringing up a lot of shadows. And they talk about it being like your mirror. And let me say that a conscious relationship, that person is your mirror, a hundred percent, but it's a safe container. There is no running. There is no chasing. There's none of that. There's a, there's a, a joint decision at, to stay in union, to work through any of those shadows that come up that doesn't exist in that twin flame dynamic. And you know, I, it might be an unpopular p- opinion to some people to say it, but I just call bullshit on the whole thing. It, I think what makes me most frustrated of what I see online, occasionally it'll pop up on my feed or, you know, like in the, uh, like on the homepage, people like monetize off of this. And some people have good intentions and they're stuck in those same cycles themselves and others don't. And you can feel the difference but it keeps people in this toxic cycle. And some for years, I will see comments where people are like, I've been in this, you know, like twin flame connection for 10 years. And I, and I know we're going to come back together one day. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is actually sad to me because this person is staying stuck in this cycle and not living their life. They're not allowing themselves to do the true healing that then allows themselves to be open to a connection that is so fulfilling and so safe and does not have this push pull this run this chase this obsession it's it is what it is it, it's it's an obsession and it's not healthy it's something that i see so much on and i just go oh, this is frustrating to see people stuck in these cycles but what i will say is that those connections can be a huge catalyst to growth massively and they can be a huge catalyst to an awakening 
and they can be a huge catalyst to finding yourself. I would say that 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 mine definitely was, but there's other ways to have those growth and expansion without going through that those depths of pain because it's a really painful cycle to find yourself in. It really is and a very painful connection and that's yeah. I just <laughs> again yeah. there's this this concept of the one and it's it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You're yes. the one. Like if 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 it exists in some point it's you the person like you are the one which is the most powerful place to be in by the way because then you get to choose on who you share life with you get to choose on on who you bring in on such an intimate level on every level and when you don't have that within yourself yet we can very easily and i say we because i myself um was once this too can call in connections and relationships and stay in connections and relationships that are not good for us and really keep us stagnant yes oh my gosh so i agree 100% with everything that felicity just said i think that the twin flame idea is really dangerous i think that it can it is keep dangerous yeah, it can keep people in abusive situations because they've mm-hmm. decided this person is their twin flame and they're supposed to work it out because they won't be whole without this person. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Dangerous, yeah. dangerous stuff. So I love everything you shared there. It was very, very clear. And yeah, you you are the one. We are the one for ourselves and we are whole. Yeah. All on our own. We are whole. We don't need another person to make us whole. We don't need another anything to make us whole. We already are. No, exactly. Exactly. And that's the biggest lesson and the most beautiful lesson to go through and then to finally have that embodiment of that belief. Because it takes some time, you know, like you, you, you can think about that concept and understand it on a logical level, but to fully embody that, that does take some time. Um, but it's the most beautiful process and oh. That's just what I really want for humanity as a whole is just every individual, every soul to find that connection with themselves in such a deep level that then nothing outside of them can can rock that connection. Oh, yes, absolutely. One thing that you talked about that I just wanted to ask about, so trauma bonding. Mm-hmm. Could you talk just a little bit about that for maybe yes. someone who's never heard that term before? Sure. So with my understanding and my perception of trauma bonding, just purely through my own experience, is it's basically two people that are really on a frequency that is in the same alignment, right? The same frequency uh, as, as we are with many different people, same on a conscious relationship, right? Like you're on that same frequency, but you're on this frequency and both of you have very similar childhood wounds or very similar wounds from past situations. And it's a coming together where there's this instant, like there's this instant chemistry, this instant pull, this like, whoa, this person, like, and then it becomes this like obsession and this can't leave each other alone, but you have these big moments that blow out where your wounds are playing against each other. And it's through the breaking away of that, that, that then you get away from that trauma bond. And it's not to say that healing can't take place in those, in those moments. It can but it can't take place in the two of you healing together. Okay. So that, I think that's part of that to inflame two thing as well, right? They come together, there's this big disruption and then there's a separation and they talk about the separation with being like, Oh, well you separate so you can do your individual healing. 
And then you come back together and you trick each other again. You go through the same process until you've done enough that then you can come into union. So again, you see this cycle that just repeats. It is so unhealthy. Mm. And so that's, that's the trauma bond. But when you go into that conscious relationship, like I said before, there is that no separation. There's a togetherness and there's, you might have similar wounds. I've got similar wounds to my current partner, but we talk about them openly with clear communication if there's a trigger or anything like that. And then we come together and we can sit there and speak about it in a really loving, non-judgmental way where the other person is not getting triggered. Mm. And there's an understanding and then healing takes place, but it's together. And you understand you have your individual healing as well. And that's your responsibility. There is no, I heal you, you you heal me. It doesn't exist. Um, it's our own responsibility, but then we can heal in connection. And so that's the difference between the trauma bond and then the conscious relationship. Oh, it's brilliant. Thank you. And something that came up for me as you were talking about a trauma bond from, from my angle, which is like a nervous system approach, mm-hmm. the chemicals that are coming up when you're triggered are addictive. So it's actually a physical addiction that people get into. It's not just a psychological addiction, but there's actually a physical need to feel those chemicals because your nervous system gets so accustomed to that trigger and then reunion cycle that you start to crave it just like a drug. Oh, and that was me. That was me a hundred percent. And it wasn't until I learned about attachment styles and realizing my attachment style that then I noticed that playing out. And I was like, my, I didn't realize my nervous system craved chaos. It Mm. craved it. And it's wild to see like when I would experience that chaos. And then once that like, which is not nice to experience, you don't actually like it when when it's happening. Your nervous system's like, oh, this is good. And then (laughs) once you come down off that, you're so calm. And it's like, it's like you can breathe again. And it's this note to your body saying, oh, that's exactly what I needed, which Mm. is wild. And then that's again, where there's a lot of reprogramming and subconscious work, shadow work and nervous system work and regulation to shift out of that pattern, which if that's been your pattern for a really long time, like for me, that was since childhood with what I grew up with and with what I experienced throughout my life for such a long time, that took a long time for me to be able to shake that away. And it still occasionally will appear, but Mm. I have that awareness now to observe versus acting in it. And I can Mm. go, oh, I know what's happening right now. I know why my body's feeling this. Let me communicate it. And so I will communicate it to my partner versus just keeping it to myself because I feel safe with this person to communicate it. There's no judgment. There's no like him wanting to further activate that, right? I think that's that dynamic that can happen when you're with someone that just further activates it. There's almost like a thrill off of that. And I, I definitely have experienced that in past relationships. Mm, Interesting. So that perfectly leads into my next question, which is, can you talk a little bit about attachment style and your attachment style and yeah, anything you want to share about that? Yes. So attachment styles is actually something that I learned off Mark Groves from Create the Love. If you guys don't know who that is, um, I highly recommend you check him out. His work is incredible. Um, Beautiful, beautiful soul. And I learned that through him, but of course that actually comes and stems from two other people, which is John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth in 1991. And they did this 
theory test on when a mother would put down a baby in a room and then she would leave the room, how that baby would respond. For some, they would become really anxious, like and cry and like, oh, where did my mom go? And this fear of like, she's not going to come back. And that creates like an anxious attachment. And then there's the baby that just kind of is like, doesn't care. Like, <laughs> it's like, mom's gone, don't care. That's the avoidant attachment. And then there's the baby that uh, looks there and goes, oh yeah, mom's gone, but she's going to come back. And that's the secure attachment. And there's a couple of others in there too, like the fearful avoidant, which is what I have, which is the wanting to feel that connection and go towards your caregiver, but at the same time being like completely terrified as well and having that fear. So it brings in that dynamic of wanting that close connection, but not trusting that you're going to be safe within that connection. So these are the attachment styles. But what I always say to people is you don't label yourself. So I say, look, yes, I have the fearful attachment style, but I'm working towards secure attachment. I'm definitely leaning more on the secure side than my uh, fearful avoidant. The fearful avoidant will come through every now and then, but I can acknowledge it and get back into that secure attachment. So it's important that you don't go into that victim mentality of like, oh, this is just my attachment style. That's just who I am. It's like you can pivot out of that into secure attachment. And sometimes then we can fall back out of that into a different one. And depending on the relationship, you might kind of go a bit more anxious depending, like for example, my ex-husband, um, beautiful soul, but he uh, was an avoidant. And I was in that relationship more on the anxious side. So that he would trigger that anxiousness, which is the need to be close. And the avoidance like, yeah, you're getting too close. So it was, but it's, it's actually the perfect codependent dynamic is to have those two attachment styles together. So that's mm. attachment styles. I hope that I've explained that uh, well, that that makes sense. Yes, definitely. That is so interesting. Yeah. I find this just super fascinating. I was a very insecure attacher. And as you talk about that, I think that, I think I was an anxious, I think I was mm -hmm. an anxious attacher. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I was definitely an insecure attacher. And it's one of those things that through the course of being in, again, a conscious relationship is a beautiful way, way to heal attachment style. Yes, I've been able, is. I've been able to move through and now I lean very much towards secure attachment. Like you right. said, I mean, not yeah. perfect. Nobody is, but <laughs> no, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Yeah. It's like my partner, I would call him secure attachment mm. um, style for sure. And that's actually the perfect attachment style for someone like me. It's, mm. it's perfect. Yeah. If he was yes. avoidant, it wouldn't work. <laughs> it just right. Wouldn't work. Right. So then the next question I have for you, could you talk just a little bit about codependency? How would you yeah. describe codependency in case someone listening isn't familiar with it and doesn't really know how to recognize it. Right. So codependency isn't just this like need to be around someone all the time, right? Like you, you sometimes see those dynamics where it's like people are stuck at the hip and they can't live without each other. Like, oh, I can't live without that person. And, and if you leave me, I'm going to be like, I won't be able to live and go on, which isn't true. We will. And of course you feel that pain of that person going, but if you've got that secure attachment or you've got that strong connection to self, you know that it's okay. Like that person doesn't take anything from me. That codependency feels like they do. But sometimes with the codependency, it can be very much this. If I go back to my past relationship and talking from that experience, 
that codependency did have that feeling at times of like, oh, if this person leaves me, like my life will be over. Or if this person's away from me from a certain time, I start to get anxious, right? My nervous system starts to like fly off there. But the codependency comes in many different forms. And some people who even consider themselves to be quite empathic and they take on other people's emotions and they um, are like, I've got to fix you. Like I've got to fix you. I've got to help you. That's actually very rooted in codependency as well. And that's something really interesting to, to start to realize and start to see how that shows up in maybe your life. And sometimes it's not even the the need of a partnership. Codependency can show up in, you know, a, a, a friendship. It can show up in, you know, between an adult and their and their um, parent, for example, a sibling even. So it can come in many different in many different ways. Some adults are even very codependent to their children, right? Mm. As well, you know, it's, yes. it's, a, it's a different dynamic when children they do need their parents. So that's very different. So we wouldn't call the children codependent, but some adults are actually really codependent on their children, and they need their children to feel whole, to feel secure, to feel safe. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Such a good description. And this something that comes up for me, I mean, as talking about codependency, it can also come in the form of taking responsibility for the feelings of other people. Yeah. And I feel like in the entrepreneurial journey, this comes up a lot where it's, I think people hear about setting healthy boundaries a lot. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that can make setting healthy boundaries so difficult is if, if you have some codependency, which I think most people do, right? Um, it can be really hard to set proper boundaries with your clients. It can be yeah. hard to say no. Right, right. No, it's, it's so true. And actually, that's a good point because there can be huge codependent relationships within coach and client, within mentor and client. And this is why I'm so big on, for example, with like tarot readings, I have a part of my code of ethics. I will not allow a client to become dependent on my readings. And I've actually had to turn down people and say, you can't come see me for another nine, nine, 10, 12 months. Because basically what's happening here is you're so dependent on the information that you're receiving. And yet when I'm doing these readings, I'm not seeing that anything's changing. So I'm taking your money and I can't really kind of give anything much in return because nothing's shifting on your end. And when it comes to coaching, for example, that can be this codependent relationship there too as well, whether where the client can be, and it, it, it can go both ways, but we'll just talk about the client here. The client can be very like, I can't make a decision without this permission. That was mm-hmm. me as, as, as a child, even in my 20s. I, would, I was very codependent with my family. I would constantly seek permission. I would be like, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And I put it out there to my to like my siblings and, 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 and my mom for like, permission and if they said something that I didn't quite like I'd be like oh well I actually want to do that and okay okay well I guess I'll do this instead and I had to step away from that and stop asking that which did cause a little bit of a shift in dynamics but it was necessary and so this kind of stuff can happen within the coaching industry as well and I think what's really important which is why for me like I, I I want people to move on from my coaching containers I want them to graduate. I want them to go work um, on their own for a while. And then if they do want to come back after a while, that's fine. Or if they want to go to another coach, that's fine. But I don't want to be in this, like, have someone with me for, you know, like two, three years or something like that. I don't want that. And I want people to go and really 
take the information that is being given and then implement it, do something with it that feels good for you, that feels in alignment with you. And so that, that that's where you can see the codependent happen where people are just like, but I can't do something without permission or I can't do something without getting that reassurance versus just being like, let me just do this. And if I fuck up or make a mistake, then, hey, I learned something. Cool, whatever. Like right. I can move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. So that is such an important thing to bring up. And what came up for me as you were talking about that is the other way. So it is so important. It is so important to choose a coach that understands these dynamics. It is so important to choose a coach that has done their inner work that the inner work never ends, but a coach that that has, that understands these fundamentals enough that they've done the work that they're not going to get lost in codependency because Mm -hmm. this can also go the other way where the coaches, the coaches, emotions and nervous system depend on the client results. And then Mm -hmm. the client feels all that pressure from the coach. If things aren't going the way the coach wants them to go in the client's life. So either way, you don't want to get into any, either of these codependent dynamics with a coach. It's so unhealthy and really hard on your nervous system. Oh, massively, massively. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to remember we're, we're sovereign beings. We've covered a ton of ground. Mm-hmm. This has been an amazing conversation. How can people work with you? How okay, do people sure. get in touch with you? How can people yes. work with you? Because yes. you're amazing and they should look you up. Thank you. Yeah, so I have an Instagram page called at Enchanted by Soul. And you can go to the link in my bio there if you were wanting to book a personal reading. Uh, but you can also send me a DM where we can discuss further when it comes to intuitive development. My mission at the end of the day is to have people really get a strong bond with themselves and to really get to the core of who they are, to know who the core of who they are. So then you can make life decisions, big decisions from there. I just have made the hugest decisions purely on intuition. The beautiful conscious relationship I'm in now that scared me like crazy at times (laughs) and pushing through because I have that clear channel from leaving my 15 year relationship and pushing through that really difficult dark period because I had that channel and because Mm -hmm. I know myself to the core. And this is why it's really, really important to do intuitive development and it can help in many ways. It's also helped me within my business too. So help me within relationship, business, major life decisions, and just like the everyday stuff as well. It's just, it's just fun to like tap into that, into that space. If you're interested in that, you can definitely send me a DM and we can get talking about that. But I do have some exciting things coming up in in 2023, probably around late January, early February, um, where we'll be offering some new things and yeah, which I'm really excited about. So that's how you can work with me. Exciting. Okay. And I'll definitely put Felicity's Instagram in the show notes so you can go down there to get in touch with her. I think that... Just about wraps it up. I have one last question for you. And that is just, if you had one piece of advice for someone who's newer to their spiritual path, what advice would you give them? Oh, okay. Don't follow and do what feels good for you. Mm. It's really, really important. I think there is such danger in 
becoming a follower to something or to someone and putting people on a pedestal. That's really, really dangerous. And it's important to just flow where you feel you want to go. If you want to explore a certain topic, a certain subject, go and explore that. And then you can continue to grow from there if you want to with that particular subject, or you can shift and you can move. At the end of the day, your spiritual journey is so personal. It's so, so personal. And you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You can do it your own way. And that's actually what you're meant to do (laughs) is to do it your own way and to just quieten the outside noise and tune in to your soul, into your intuition and move from there. Mm. Oh man, that's pretty much perfect. Yes. I love, (laughs) I love that advice. So amazing. So beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Felicity. This has been awesome. I've had such a fun time on here and I really appreciate it. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll speak with you next time.